Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place, and we have a very, very special episode for you today. Let's see what the buzz is. I have a quote from a gentleman named Paul Oxton, O-X-T-O-N. Go look him up. He is the founder of an organization called WHWF. That's Wild Heart Wildlife Foundation. He's also an extraordinarily talented wildlife photographer. Here's the quote. No one in the world needs a rhino horn but a rhino. Let's just let that sink in for a second. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on with wildlife in Africa. The threat levels are growing at alarming rates, particularly from the poaching of elephants and rhinos. Come on, you've all read in the news in the past couple years, game, sport, poaching, hunting, killing for the take-homes, for the souvenirs. Let's go back to Paul Oxton's quote again. No one in the world needs a rhino horn but a rhino. That's the message here. So traditional conservation methods are falling short. Why? Not enough money and not enough, I'll call it people power. We used to call that manpower. Now we're equal opportunity. What are we going to do? Well, let's think about turning to technology. Of course, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Of course, we're going to talk about tech. Technology with a purpose involving drones and GPS. And we're going to introduce you today to a new concept in the term ERP. You know what you think it is? Well, think again. E is for elephants, R is for rhinos, and P is for people. So put your thinking cap on, spin it around a couple times, and we're going to be talking to some very interesting guests. Yes, I'm waiting to see if we have our third one. I'm not sure we have him on the line yet, but I'm going to introduce you in a moment to a gentleman named Quinton Smith. He spells his first name Q-U-I-N-T-I-N, a little different. He's a partner in a company called EpiUse, E-P-I-USE Systems, and he's a board member of ERP, Elephants, Rhinos, and People. We'll be talking to him in a moment. Hopefully, we're still trying to get him. Uh, one of his partners, an associate partner at Epiuse, his name is David Allen. He's a UAV conservation project director within GroupElephant.com's ERP NGO. We're still trying to get David, and we're waiting. We hope he can get to us because he is in South Africa today. And rounding out the panel is Ashley Tully, the lady who put this panel together. She is at SAP, and she is in channel marketing. So right now, I say welcome to Quinton and... And to Ashley, and we're crossing our fingers, Ashley, that we can get David on the line. So now let's look at the opening quote Quentin Smith has sent me. Uh, interesting. Those of you who are big fans of prison films and dramas, come on, you must have seen The Shawshank Redemption 1994 film. It was a drama written and directed uh, by, based on actually a Stephen King novella called Rita Hayworth in Shawshank Redemption. Tells the story of a banker, played by Tim Robbins, named Andy Dufresne, or Dufresne, I don't remember, who sentenced to life in Shawshank State Penitentiary for the murder of his wife and her lover despite his claims of innocence. Morgan Freeman stars in it as well. I saw it about uh, six months ago for the first time on demand, of course, and it was great. So here's the quote. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. Quentin Smith, EPU Systems. How are you today, Quentin? I am fantastic. Thank you very much for having me, Bonnie. 
We are delighted. You can thank Ashley and you can thank uh, one of her partners at SAP, one of her team members, Brad Borkin, for suggesting this topic. I told Brad we needed something very exciting today, and, and here we are. So, Quentin, please tell me, how did you pick this quote? Yeah, Bonnie, so I definitely fall in that uh, market segment that you referred earlier to, that somebody that just enjoys a prison movie. So, you know, whether it's breaking into it, like The Rock or breaking out of it, like in the Shawshank Redemption, I, I, I certainly enjoy it. But I picked it for, for the show for two reasons. You know, the first is um, that there's some analogy to be drawn to the plight of elephants and, and rhinos today in the sense that they are to a certain extent sentenced to death through all the poaching activities that we have going on in Africa specifically, uh, with, without a fair trial. And if you if you recall from the movie, uh, Tim Robbins was also, uh, you know, in jail because he, he, you know, for a crime he didn't commit. So certainly the parallel there. And then secondly, you know, this is something that we need to uh, to start doing to change, to, to conserve these elephants and rhinos. So we need to get busy in doing that. So if we want to change the game, uh, that's what we need to do. And there's a certain sense of purpose for me personally in doing that. Otherwise, uh, you know, I would feel like I'm busy dying. And that's why I picked it. Quentin, thank you very much. I have to ask you, you have such a charming accent. May I ask where you're from originally? <laughs> yes, so I live in Boston, and this is not a Bostonian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Cambridge, and I didn't sound like that either. So, <laughs> so where, where, how did you get to Boston by way of? Yes, I was uh, yeah, born and raised in South Africa, and I used to go to uh, to business school here and then ended up staying on and I, I've been in the U.S. For, for a good 14 years now. Well, thank you very much. It's very nice to have you on and I do understand we just got a hold of David Allen. So, Quentin, I'm going to move over to David and introduce him and thank you so much, Quentin. We have so much to learn from you and David as well as Ashley. So, thank you for calling us. And now, David Allen, finally, David, we've been trying and trying and we've got you, associate partner at Epiuse. Uh, some guests are a little harder to get a hold of than others, but let me read the opening quote you sent, David, and then we'll chat with you. You sent us a quote from Sir David Attenborough. Now, David Attenborough was one of these people who has so many letters after their name. I don't know what they mean, but let me try getting through this. Sir David Frederick Attenborough, O-M-C-H-C-V-O-C-B-E-F-R-S-F-L-S-F-Z-S-F-S-A. Okay. Born in 1926, an English veteran broadcaster and naturalist, widely considered, get this, a national treasure in Britain, although he doesn't think so. He doesn't like the term as well. And in 2002, he was named among the 100 greatest Britons following a BBC poll across the entire UK. And he's the younger brother of the late director, producer, and actor Richard Attenborough. People may remember his name. Here's the quote. There are four million different kinds of animals and plants in the world, four million different solutions to the problems of staying alive. Officially, David Allen, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Bonnie, I, I'm doing well, thank you, and, and um, thank you very much for having me, and uh, even more so for being a little bit of, little bit patient with somebody uh, connecting all the way from the, the bottom corner of Africa um, into your show. So I think... Um, that quote for me holds a uh, holds a, a special place in my heart because, yes, uh, a naturalist could probably you know argue the fact there's, there's far more than, than four million plants and animals uh, catalogued these days. But the the really special part of that quote for me is that we we all kind of get a little bit down every now and again, and and you get faced with these insurmountable 
challenges and, and you're all kind of, you know, we're all wondering how do we actually make it through this day? Uh, you know, fundamentally, how do we, how do we just stay alive? Well, at very worst, there's at least 4 million ways that you can somehow stay alive. Um, and, and that's got parallels into, into our elephant and rhino conservation, which uh, I'm quite sure Quinton has started to talk to you about too. But um, the point there is, uh, the, the relevance for the show is just that um, there's different ways to solve problems in the world. And to me, uh, that's what, what I'd like to talk to you about today, is, is different ways to, to tackle this poaching problem we have in Africa. And um, quite honestly, um, I think some of the solutions we're, we're implementing down here in the bottom corner of Africa have got relevance in, in other parts of the world. Um, you know, you've mm-hmm. got um, protected species, threatened species in, in the U.S. too, and I'm quite sure they could do with a helping hand as well. So um, those are different ways to solve uh, problems. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm here for today. Thank you, David. So nice to speak with you. We're very patient for our special guests, and you're one of our special guests. Let me just make a comment. I've been putting into the Twitter, into uh, into hashtag SAP Radio, our, our Twitter hashtag channel where most people find us, and I've been putting in this as a show on purpose. Of course, we do all of our shows on purpose, but it is about purpose. We're talking about technology and purpose in the wild, and we're going to be talking about how those two go together, uh, Quentin and David and, and Ashley coming up next. What is it that motivates a company, an organization, a group of people who may not be in a company or an organization yet to say, we need a reason to do something, how are we going to do it? So I'll ask the panel in a few minutes, which came first, the purpose or the technology? I think that'll be an interesting question going around the table. David, thank you for joining us. And now it's time for Ashley Tully, Channel Marketing at SAP. And she has sent us a very interesting quote. Uh, they all have, all three quotes have something to do with living and dying. And I, I like that very interesting sub-theme here. Uh, the quote is from Frederick Nietzsche. Anybody doesn't remember Frederick Wilhelm Nietzsche, German philosopher, cultural critic, composer, poet, philologist, I can say that, and Latin and Greek scholar whose work has exerted a profound influence on Western philosophy and modern intellectual history. And interestingly, he he lived from 1844 to 1900, so he was way before we could even talk about the types of technology we're getting into today. Here's the quote Ashley has selected. He who has a why, W-H-Y, to live for can bear almost any how. Ashley Tully, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us, and thanks for putting together this panel. Ashley, tell me about the quote. How did you pull up a quote from somebody who who hasn't lived for, let's say, he's been gone since 1900, and here we are in 2018, and yet the quote works today. So tell me how you interpret it, please. Uh, the way I interpret it is, is you, if you've got something worth living for, you'll figure out how to do what you need to do to, to make it happen. And that's, that's to me, that's purpose. I, I think, uh, especially with so many things going on in today's world, to be able to work on something that makes a difference and improves somebody else's life or animals' lives, that, that gives you a reason to live. So let's let's just throw that from the single purpose, the personal purpose, Ashley, over to corporate purpose, organizational purpose. Your opinion, and, and we will go around the table on this, what came first, the company or the purpose, and how do you instill the concept of purpose into a larger group of people who may say, ah, come on, it's a buzzword, everybody's talking about it, what do I have to do with that? Any thoughts on that, Ashley? You know, I, I, what I have found, in, and this is through work and also through volunteering, is 
there, it's just incredible to me how many people really want to, to make a difference. You don't have to instill it in them. They're looking for uh, a, a, an avenue, if you will, to, to make a difference and to say, yeah, I'm, I helped that person or I, I made that person smile or I helped those animals survive so that future generations would be able to see them. Um, and, and people want to join the cause. So you just have to make them aware this is what we're doing or this is what we've got going and open it up to them and, th- and they'll jump on board. I like that. I like that attitude. I think we're seeing a shift, a cultural shift in this. And you're, you're very, very right. Let's circle around to Quentin Smith. Quentin, comments on what I just asked. Ashley, what do you think? What comes first? Are every, is everybody motivated to say we need a why? We need a purpose. We need a reason, as the French say, a raison d'etre, reason to be. Je donc, je pense, je suis, I think, therefore I am. Well, why are you? So, Quentin, what's your thought about that? Yeah, Bonnie, it's certainly a bit of a chicken and egg situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Pull from our experience in our for-profit business. You know, initially, for any for-profit business, your purpose is to make profit. And, uh, you know, and we did exactly that. But after doing more and more of the same, uh, you know, we got to a point where we just realized that still leaves a, a void, you know, and that, that that is not truly purpose. And, uh, you know, a good four years ago, we sat back and said, well, you know, we realize we still have to keep the lights on, but, you know, what are we going to leave behind? What are we going to do different? And what's going to give us more purpose? And, uh, you know, being based in South Africa and having our roots there, um, and our CEO specifically having a very unique connection, I'd say, with elephants, and given the plight of elephants and rhinos and, and, and the poverty levels in Africa, we decided on making that our purpose and our cause. And I can tell you what, uh, Bonnie, we can talk about it a little bit further in the show, but the impact that that has had on our for-profit business in -hmm. terms of talent and clients and growth is just incredible. So, uh, you know, uh, we came to the conclusion that we need a bigger purpose. Um, and, uh, you know, if there are organization leaders out there that's, that's not there yet, I can only recommend to, to make that shift sooner, or, sooner rather than later. Thank you, Quentin. I, we've spoken, uh, I have a series called Changing the Game in HR, which is coming back in early mm. summer. And we talk about how companies can draw top talent, top managers, top everybody. And today the mantra is not just for looking at millennials. The mantra is have a purpose, have a corporate culture that embraces that purpose, and they will come. They will want to work for you. Are you finding that where you are? Absolutely, Bonnie. It's, it's incredible. You know, I mean, we started ERP with the, um, you know, with the purest of intentions. You know, we wanted to make a difference to, to these conservation efforts and to these these animals. And then, uh, for our full profit business that we use to to basically fund our non profit business. Uh, you know, when we go to trade shows and career fairs at universities, you know, we put up our ERP logos and these computer science students and engineers come to our table and they don't want to talk about anything else, you know, than, than you huh. know, conserving elephants and rhinos. And when we start talking about the technology that we use to do it, then they don't even want to go to any other table. So our, our talent acquisition has just gone through the roof in terms of, you know, the quality of people uh, that we get and the loyalty that we get with that. So uh, it, it's, it's been a, an, an HR transformation for us. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's a good validation for my point. David, you want to add anything to this part of the conversation before I go around and ask you all what you're drinking today that powers your purpose? But, David, what do you think? Chicken yeah, or the egg? Which crossed the road first, the purpose or the, or the, the talent? 
Oof, uh, I think I think we we've got to start with the talent because you know that that did kind of enable us to to really drive home our, our purpose. But uh, for me, the the crux of the matter is people like being associated, they like doing business with, they like being around nice people, and people who make a difference in the world are nice, a positive difference in the world are nice people. That's what it boils down to for me. So so the four purpose thing. I mean, you can get deep. You can go into Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization, all these work-life, career balances. But at the end of the day, um, people are attracted to to other nice people. And I think that's that's really something special we have with the NLP, that um, we know that um, every time we're, we're slogging away behind our keyboards or at a client, we yeah. actually are contributing towards a, a better purpose. Thank you very much. I, I have a, a question for either Quentin or David. ERP, you're kind of treading on technology here. You're treading on a term that's used in the business world, and you flipped it. It's not ERP, Enterprise Resource <laughs> Planning. Now, elephants, rhinos, and people, seriously, what made you think you were going to – I'm teasing you, of course. What made you think you were going to get away with saying ERP doesn't mean what it used to anymore? It's elephants, rhinos, and people, seriously. Quentin? Answer from you, please. <laughs> Bonnie, we picked it for exactly that reason. Uh, you know, our technology business is very much in the enterprise resource planning business. And, uh, you know, when we were thinking about what do we brand and name our, our nonprofit efforts, and, you know, since it's in for elephants and rhinos, we, we went with ERP and, of course, you know, need to now redefine that ERP is standing for elephant rhinos and people as well. Okay, David. Any comments on that? Uh, any any other spin? Oh, I think Quinton's uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, what, what gets people talking more than com- completely flipping or completely disrupting uh, what they think something stands for? And I'm intrigued that you put people last. I'm not going to ask you about that one, elephants, rhinos, and people. Now let's do our little segment of the show called What's in Your Cup Today. I think we already know where you all are, although I, I don't know if I asked Ashley that, but we'll get to you in a minute. Quentin Smith, what powers you? What kind of drink just makes you get up in the morning and say, yes, I have a purpose. I have a why. I can deal with the how and the where and the when and the who. What really gets you going? What's your favorite drink in the whole world? And I know you've traveled. Go ahead, Quentin. <laughs> I do, Bonnie. And when you ask me that question, it actually cast my mind back to a drink that I can't have anymore. Uh, and, it, you know, I would change the question to what's in my styrofoam cup. And, uh, okay. You know, cup. <laughs> it reminds all of us of, of our college days. I have to share a quick story where we, uh, you know, in, in my college days, we had a pirate theme party. And, uh, you know, like every, any pirate theme party, you should have some rum-based adult beverage. But what we did and made ours <laughs> unique is we added blue Kool-Aid to this uh, you know, special <laughs> beverage. And it, it, got, it got branded the Blue Ocean, which you know, means a lot to, to business students in the strategy world. So, of course, the, the recipe you know, is lost forever, forever, but the memories are certainly not. And I think it's part of those memories and the memories that we are making with ERP that, uh, that drives me uh, on a daily basis to do what we do. Well, I have to tell you, Quentin, I just Googled Blue Ocean Cocktail. 
There is one. <laughs> there is one. And it's on a wedding site called Wedding Drink Ideas. Wed- DIY, do it yourself, weddings.com. Dot, yeah, dot mag.com. And here's the recipe. Uh, I don't think this sounds anything <laughs> like what you had. It's an ounce of vodka. Good start. It's a half ounce of bu- okay. blue curacao. There's the blue. A third of an ounce yeah. of grapefruit juice. One to two splashes of simple syrup. Put it all in a brandy snifter and blah, blah, blah. And there it is. So, uh, and here's a another website called the Tipsy Bartender. Actually, they're on YouTube. How to make the blue ocean. So, there you. Go. It's even made well, it into the year no, of. There's no Kool Aid in that. So, you know, no, no, dear, no, no Kool Aid. I think the drink grew up. I think it grew up. It's blue curacao. Thank you very much, Quentin. You're charming. And David Allen, same question for you. What powers you? Gives you that get up and go that makes you want to go out and have a day with purpose. <laughs> it sounds like a. Slightly loaded question when you phrase it that way, Bonnie. Yeah, like <laughs> oh, thing. just what makes you happy? Uh, Anything, David. <laughs> I think you know what. Uh, I think I, I'm a I'm a humble beer man myself. Um, you know, it's, uh, you you can you can enjoy a quiet beer by yourself. Um, you can have a rowdy beer with a you know a group of mates at a, at a, a sports event or something. You can mm-hmm. have that sort of a savoring beer, you know, at the end of the day kind of thing. So, I'm a, you know, beer is pretty unpretentious. As long as it's cold and it's not past its sell-by date, uh, I think you'll, be, <laughs> you'll, you'll do well. And uh, you'll certainly have uh, less drinks, uh, sorry, less regrets if you have uh, five or six the next day. somebody who uh, <laughs> possibly has five or six blue oceans by the sound of it. Well, I think so. There's a Brad Paisley country song called Alcohol. Look up the lyrics and you'll you'll see what happens when you have a little too many. So is there a favorite beer that you like, David? Can you recommend something? Seriously? Um, look, I'm, I'm definitely patriotic towards our South African beers. You know, um, we've got a very big, uh, very famous brewing company, the Homegrown. So um, I think uh, a good old-fashioned Castle Lager is a, a big fan. Um, we've got a Hunter Pilsner here. So... Um, I don't don't want to leave you thinking that I've got no standards, but um, I'm not I'm not too particular about beers as long as they're nice and cold. I think there's there's a place for them in my heart. I think you hit the bear on the head. Thank you very much. Didn't mean to push, but I wanted to know because people are listening and saying, "I wonder what he drinks." He sounds really cool. So there you go. You gave us a couple of names. Ashley Tully. Last but certainly not least, Ashley. If I didn't ask, where are you today? And what do you love to drink that powers you? I know you have the volunteer spirit in your blood and your family's blood. And and what powers you to go out and do purposeful things, Ashley? So I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, most days, what gets me up and gets me going is my black cup of coffee. Um, but if I have a very uh, special occasion, I might just go crazy and get a venti latte with whipped cream. I can't do that on a regular basis, but uh, I certainly do enjoy the added fat in, <laughs> in my cup of coffee. Oh, don't we all? Don't we all? I I have a a quick story for all of you. We had a panelist on last week who told me there's something called mushroom coffee. And, of course, we were all trying not to gag audibly on the air. Well, he's he's at SAP. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you his name later, Ashley. And he went to the trouble of putting a little envelope. It's instant. You add seven ounces of hot water. He put it into an envelope and thought I was based in the New York Hudson Yards office of SAP and sent it through internal mail in one of those old-fashioned kind of a a brownish-yellowish envelope with the holes in it and the the tie, the string that ties, and he sent it to me in New York. I got an email from one of the people at the Hudson Yards office last week. Bonnie, there's a package waiting for you in reception. I said, but I'm in Durham, North Carolina 
know, I don't come to the New York office. So they FedExed it to me. And I opened the envelope, and here is one packet. It's, it looks like a tea bag packet, and it's mushroom tea with, get this, Quentin and David, I don't want you to get upset with me, but it has lion's mane in it. I don't know wow. what that means, and I am not <laughs> planning to drink it, but I'm going to put it on, a, on the wall of my office and take pictures, and I will email it to all of you after the show so you can see, but it's actually mushroom, mushroom coffee and Definitely not on my, my diet. So getting to that point, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine. And the mushroom coffee is loaded with caffeine. Go figure. So all they let me have on radio show days is water. So I have a cool, clear mug with a cool, clear glass of cool, clear water. And I have a yellow straw because, Ashley, I don't know what your weather is in Charlotte, but I'm in Durham couple of hours away, and it's kind of gray again here. We had sun yesterday, nothing coming up on the sun today. So I have a yellow straw in hopes I can coax the sun out symbolically. So you are listening to a very lively conversation. We're talking about ERP, the new version, elephants, rhinos, and people. And more importantly, we're talking about technology and purpose in the wild. I have a wonderful panel. Quentin Smith and David Allen, both involved with this ERP nonprofit organization. Very knowledgeable, very passionate. And joining them is my colleague at SAP, Ashley Tully, who's also passionate about purpose. We're going to take a quick break. Somebody's just texting me here. Mushroom coffee? Really, Bonnie? Yes, really, really. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive into everything to do with purpose and technology. We'll talk about the drones. We'll talk about the UAVs. I hope I got that right. We'll talk about the technology of GPS and how actually do you save the elephants, rhinos, and the people from poaching. That's a topic we probably won't get into this conversation. That's a a different part of Africa, but who knows? So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back 90 seconds. Go have a sip of something. You're going to need it. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network we're on the cutting edge of social media can you keep up when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're back after our 90 seconds of sipping something good to power us up for our program on purpose today. I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, okay, purpose, you have to have a mantra, you have to have a mission, it's going to be a good one, you're going to do something good for the planet, for people, for animals, for something. But you may also be thinking about what we traditionally call this, I think, is called CSR Corporate Social Responsibility. Your company may have one of those, but we're talking about a different flavor of that. So I'm going to ask my first panelist, by the way, our special guests are Quinton Smith, David Allen, and Ashley Tully. Quite an interesting panel. We've had a really great first half. So I'm going to ask Quinton to talk to me about the following, and I'm reading a little bit from his notes before the show. He says, different, not a traditional corporate social responsibility program. Talking about his organization, ERP, uh, he says here, it's a DIY NGO. We are just loaded with alphabet soup, aren't we, today, Quentin? DIY is do-it-yourself. <laughs> NGO is non-government organization. We've already talked about, e- I'm, I'm good, ERP, elephants, rhinos, and people. So let me just stop here. Quentin Smith, corporate social responsibility, how has that changed? Did it change when you developed ERP, or is this something that's been happening broadly around the world? Let's go. <laughs> that's indeed the case, Bonnie. Quite a few acronyms there, so I'll talk about E-R-P-D-I-Y-N-G-O right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, and, and to add one to that is, 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 of course, CSR, right? So Corporate Social Responsibility Programs. And I think that's a trend that over the last decade, as, as really said, right, where um, corporate organizations are looking at, uh, you know, philanthropic efforts and double bottom lines. And for the most part, you know, that was more making contributions to uh, other nonprofits, right? So they would take a, a certain uh, part of their marketing budget or expense budget and make a contribution uh, to communities. And, you know, there are a number, more than 100 um, nonprofit organizations in South Africa that's trying to do something about the plight of rhinos and elephants. And we just realized that, you know, we would not be successful if, if we just do the same thing and, and, and throw more money into, into these nonprofits. And we need a, a different kind of corporate social responsibility program. And what we ended up doing is actually creating a business model in, to accomplish that. So we created our own um, non-profit organization that takes care of the conservation of elephants and rhinos, and that's ERP, like we talked about earlier. Um, but the big difference is that we are going to do this ourselves. So in the for-profit side of our organization, you know, we do IT technology projects, and we have a bunch of professional services skills like project management and accounting and team management and all those sort of things that's 100% transferable to your nonprofit cause. And it may sound to you like a little bit of a stretch, but, um, you know, executing an IT project and, 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 a, and an elephant relocation project, there's a lot of similarities in terms of skill sets and the skills that we don't have, we would get from the outside. Like, we, you know, I can proudly say that we are the only IT organization that has a vet on staff. <laughs> And it's not because your people work like animals. It's for our ERP program. <laughs> um, 
but that's the that's that's the piece you know that 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 we do this this ourselves and that it's a business model you know on any given day on my calendar i can have you know meeting with client a having a conversation with colleague b and then elephant relocation project mm-hmm. uh, you know in KwaZulu Natal in South Africa and that would be how my how my day look and this this business model has also attracted some academic interest and it's actually being taught at UC Berkeley's business school it was taught there last year in the fall semester and uh, I believe it will be taught this year as well Quentin, I'm going to ask David to chime in, but I have a quick question for you. Uh, is it sure. appropriate or is it required that you have a, let me just say, a sister or a brother company, a related company that is for profit, that is funding the not-for-profit activities that your DIY NGO ERP is, is handling on your business model? How do you pay for it? That That's a big question I think a lot of people are yeah. asking. So just a quick answer from you, and then and I'll bring David and Ashley in. Go ahead. Absolutely, it is required. So we fund uh, our nonprofit business by taking 1% of our revenues, not our profit, our revenue. It's a big number for us to fund uh-huh. our ERP activities. So we cover the whole overhead with that. And part of that is it allows anybody that donates money, uh, that it will flow, 100% of that will flow through to the cause. So we can categorically state that none of that goes towards overhead, which is a big, uh, of big appeal to our donors. Thank you very much. That's what I wanted to get at because I hear people saying that sounds great, but but you have to keep the lights on, pay the bills, and and do the drones and all that good stuff. So thank you, David Allen. Love to get your thoughts on the concept of CSR flipped on its ear into what is a company with purpose? What's different? What's your perspective, please? Uh, goodness, I mean, it's it's pretty difficult to add uh, to what Quinton uh, already put on the table there for you, Bonnie, but the, the short answer for me is, you know, just think about think about what do you do with with new staff in in your company, new talent. How do you how do you get them involved? How do you get them to feel part of the family? How do you get them to buy into the culture of your organisation? Well, surely one of the easiest things is to get them to actually do something they enjoy. Um, and uh, having a bit of a computer science background, one of the mm-hmm. things I, I do enjoy is spending some time on my machine, and um, it's pretty cool to be able to, as my corporate social responsibility, um, on one hand, um, develop a nice employee dashboard and people can book leave and see their pay slips and all sorts of wonderful things. And uh, if I click a tab or two over, I can actually see where one of my elephants in a reserve half an hour's drive from my house is. Uh, His name is Charles. I think Ashley's probably seen him. And and I can literally see what Charles is up to. Um, That, to me, is, is, is a very, very cool extension of corporate social responsibility. Thank you very much. Interesting. Ashley, love to get your thoughts. You work for a company that we talk about CSR. We Now we talk about purpose a lot. So what's your thought on that, the difference? Well, I, to me, it's, it's what you're passionate about. And, and what David is talking about is just amazing. I, I did see that. He, he, I had met them out at, a, at an event a couple of, uh, about a year ago or so, and they showed me actually how you could look at his monitor and he could see we were in Arizona. And he was, you know, via the drone looking at a live image of, uh, it was, uh, I think it was uh, uh, several elephants. It wasn't just one. Um, so it's just fascinating to, to be able to see that. And, of course, you can hear it in my voice. I'm, pa- I'm, I'm Now I'm passionate about it. I knew nothing about elephants before I met these, these people. And now I just want to get the message out so that people are aware of what's going on and, and the terrific things they're doing. 
Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're all here with me today. Let, let's go around the table. Quinn, I think we answered that one. I want to move on to the issue of the problem, and I have some interesting statistics here in David Allen's notes. David, let me just read a little bit, and then I'm going to ask you to expand this. You say the scale of poaching of elephants and rhinos in Africa is immense. Africa loses, everybody listen to this, listen up. Africa loses an elephant every 15 minutes and five rhinos every day. Now think back to the early 20th century, there were about 10 million wild elephants in Africa. Today, there are about 300,000. I'm going to ask you to give us a few more of these sit-up-and-listen types of numbers. David, what's going on? Uh, gosh, Bonnie, yeah, the, the numbers uh, sadly do not make for, for pretty reading. Um, I mean, to put that in perspective, um, by the time we're done um, from start to, to finish of the show, um, four or five elephants would have died at the hands of uh, man mm. <laughs> in Africa. So that's a, that's a very stark, um, stark statistic. You know, we've had a really, a really good show and, you know, we've been lighthearted and we've shared the passion and the stories and, and this, um, you know, suddenly we're at the sad reality of the situation. You know, the, the plight of um, rhino in Africa is, is even worse than the elephants, you know. Um, a, a good few years before I was born, we had about half a million uh, rhino left, and, and today we're down to, um, depending on how you kind of slice and dice the numbers, uh, an estimated 19,000. So we've gone from half a million to 19,000. Um, and the problem is when the numbers get that low that um, the genetic viability of all the little different populations is a, is a concern, and, and you know then, then suddenly populations can't actually rebound again. So um, the, the plight of, of, of elephants, rhinos, and other you know, big game, of, in fact, small game as well in, in Africa and around the world is, uh, is in a very dire place. David, let's have your thoughts on why. Why now? Is, is there a shortage of souvenirs? I use that word lightly, not intending to be facetious, but people want to come home with something. And, you know, there's a joke here in the U.S. There are mugs where you can go. Ashley, if I visited Charlotte, there's a good chance I'd go to a souvenir shop if I was from another part of the country. And I would bring home a gift to somebody and it would say, uh, this is all I could think of. Uh, you know, no, it would say, um, you visited Charlotte, North Carolina, and this is the mug you brought me, and that, that was all it would say, meaning I couldn't think of anything more interesting. So, David, why is poaching seeing not a resurgence, but a surge right now? Why? Uh, so, um, it's, it's obviously rather controversial, Bonnie, but you know, in the case of, of elephants and rhinos, um, the, the increase in poaching is, is linked um, to, to sort of two socioeconomic phenomena. The, the one is very much due to a, a rise in, in affluence in, in some Asian countries. Um, and the second one is then, you know, the, almost the complete opposite. There's a, a drastic increase in the poverty amongst uh, rural communities in Africa. So on one hand, you've got one part of the world that, that's now really, you know, really empowered, uh, has, has a lot of sort of access to money, capital. And then you have the complete opposite in another part of the world. And, and the challenge is, you know, back to my earlier quote about, four million ways to, to try and stay alive, you know, when, when one of the only ways you can stay alive is actually to, to take some money from what is essentially a well-organized crime syndicate these days. They're not Ooh. just basic poachers. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's what's causing the increase in poaching. It's this socio, these socioeconomic factors. Wow, I have to take a deep breath listening to that one. Ashley, anything you want to add to that? Any perspective? Or uh, should we go around to Quentin? What do you think, Ashley? 
Go ahead. I, I, there is a socioeconomic you know, impact, as he's talking about, and, and one of the things that we have not talked about on this call, but I wanted you to know is, you know, and I want to give them credit, is they are also addressing, this ERP group is also addressing, um, I met at a, the Arizona event um, a fellow by the name of Arthur Anderson, and he is working on educating the, lo- the lo- people in the local communities, trying to give them tech skills and resources so that hopefully um, they won't want to or have to feel the need to continue to do the poaching. And so we could always talk about that at another call. Um, we, no, we'll wanted. talk about it now. That That's a great intro. Uh, I'm running this show a little bit different than usual where I pick one statement from each guest that was sent to me in advance. I think it's just a really good roundtable conversation because there's so much to learn. So thank you for that great segue, Ashley. I'm going to circle around to Quentin Smith. Quentin, ERP, Elephants, Rhinos, and People. Let's talk about the people side. Talk to me. How do you get people yeah. in that equation? Bonnie, absolutely. You know, I think what what makes ERP different from a non-profit point of view and from our conservation point of view is is the strategy. And it's elephant and rhino conservation through the alleviation of poverty. Right. So we know that, you know, these people in rural Africa that lives adjacent to these threatened species, uh, you know, they are being instruments or used as instruments from well-organized crime syndicates to uh, commit the brutal act of poaching. And we are convinced that, you know, that's not something that they like to do or that they even want to do. But, you know, what do you do when your family is hungry? Um, so, you know, our strategy is to alleviate poverty and through that conserve elephants and rhinos. Now, of course, that strategy will have a, a medium to long-term payoff. And in, in, in the interim, we have some very tactical interventions, which are drone programs and, and, and leveraging technology. So, um, you know, uh, that, that's on the strategy side. I just want to, want to get back to something that David said as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this will help put uh, things in perspective for our listeners. And that's that rhino war is worth more than gold on the black market, mm. right? So just understand that. Um, an average rhino horn weighs about four kilograms, and they can sell, um, you know, depending on what statistics you believe, but up to $80,000 a kilogram. I mean, that, that starts competing with, with cocaine. And, and not that I'm a cocaine expert, but that's, <laughs> that's what Google says. Well, we'll just leave um, that one alone, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so it's a... It's a it's a massive incentive for these people, uh, you know, to go and, 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 and poach these rhinos. And then to add to the sad reality of, of that, and I you know, also want our listeners to, 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 to have this visual of, of what's happening in Africa is, you know, the, the poachers would poach these, if we, if we focus on rhinos, the larger ones, of course, because they have larger rhinos and, and, and not, the, not the babies. And, you know, we found rhino carcasses where a baby was sitting next to his mum dehydrated for a few days and there's actually rhino orphanages in South Africa now you know where we take these little ones in and and bottle feed them so you know it's just uh, uh, horrific if you've been exposed to this once it, it changes your life it, it certainly does, and obviously you've had some very graphic visuals. Uh, I'm not sure those are the two right words to put together, but very, very yes, very graphic and very horrific visuals. I want to open this up to either Quentin or David about the technology. I alluded in my opening to the drones. I talked about UAVs. Let's talk about how do you actually do what you're trying to do. Quentin or David, who wants to give us the, the lowdown or the high up oh. on what you actually do? Bonnie, I'll I'll put my hand up for that one. I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try hard not to not to end up completely in the weeds with tech talk, 
But uh, the, the gist of what we're doing is, is that we realized, you know, just through our, our regular day-to-day businesses that, that technologies like um, GPS uh, location um, markers um, make a, a wonderful difference. You know, knowing where something is, how it's moving, um, uh, what it's up to it is, is fantastic. Think about cash and transit vehicles, maybe even your own, your own personal vehicle. Um, then the next piece of technology that's key for what we do is, you know, is of course our UAV. There's, there's very few ways in, in the modern world to, to monitor as, as effectively at, at such a low cost and, and maybe in such a wide range of, of applications as, as using a UAV or a drone. Um, we actually use both fixed wing and um, sort of more traditional copter drones, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Once you throw you know, cloud computing into the mix, once you throw um, wonderful Internet of Things type um, ideas into there, you know, you've, you've got all the makings of a great solution. So the things we do in our day-to-day lives, suddenly, you know, uh, you kind of have that eureka, that aha moment. And mm-hmm. if I can put a, a location beacon on a, on a tanker and I can pretty much on my cell phone or on my monitor figure out where it is, what's going on, why can't I do the same thing with an elephant or a rhino? Um, and then once I know where it is, you know, I also don't want to have to train up, you know, another conservationist on the ground, potentially arm the poor guy, you know, <laughs> send him into the bush and now he's trying to fend for, for the lives of these uh, rhinos and elephants while himself being under threat. I can send a, an unmanned aerial vehicle, uh, fly 100 meters up in the air quite safely, you know, monitor and then report an alert. Um, remember, the, the African bush is, is uh, it's kind of like the Arizona desert. In Arizona, everything mm-hmm. tries to, I believe, bite you, burn you, and sting you. Uh, well, in, in Africa, everything tries to eat you like full-on eat you. So if, if you're I'm being a little flippant, but if you're worried about poachers, don't forget there's lions and there's leopards and we've got huge big snakes. And uh, so, you know, getting more people on the ground is, is not ideal. So anywhere we can use technology for that, especially UAVs, it's, it's a fantastic solution. And that's pretty much our solution in a nutshell. Uh, GPS collars, UAVs, um, some passive triggers, uh, remote monitoring, cloud computing, throw all those technical, technical buzzwords in there. That's what we do. Very interesting. Is this proprietary? I'm, I'm reading in your notes here, and you say few technologies other than cloud, cloud computing, mobile IT technology combined with GPS and UAVs provide the basis for this wonderful anti-poaching solution in Africa. Is this proprietary, David, Quinton? Um, there's definitely some proprietary components to it, um, but I think, you know, we're at this stage, we're, we're definitely doing it in our in our not-for-profit space. I mean, um, obviously, mm-hmm. every every not-for-profit organisation needs to be able to generate funding. So please don't think that we're, you know, we're we're an empty, a, a bottomless pit of you know, kind of money and cost. Um, we we need to be be self-funding, but um, we we certainly haven't, you know, registered and, and patented every single part of the solution. That um, mm-hmm. there might be value in that. Um, I just don't think we've entered into that spirit just yet. So we're using a, a few yeah. proprietary bits of software. There's some SAP software in there. There's some custom stuff we've created. Um, we're flying with some off-the-shelf drones and UAVs that uh, you might be able to purchase. And then we've got our own uh, custom um, <laughs> UAVs and drones. And 
Uh, I'll, I'll happily show you one day, but I'm not going to tell you too much about those on air. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get yeah. on a Skype visual chat. I don't do a lot of flying anymore. That's not my thing, but I would Only love to see this. I, I can imagine how excited Ashley was to meet you and, and hear about this and see what this is all about. Ashley, I, I can see why you invited them to join you on the I show today. I was so excited, Bonnie, that I, I can see signed it. up my, my son to come and do an internship, but he's in college. He's getting an electrical engineering degree. I was so excited. I, I said, David, can my son come work with you this summer? And he said, sure. Fly him down. Wow. He went and worked there, with them. I, I, it's brilliant. It, it absolutely is. It, it's fascinating. There's so many components to this conversation that are fascinating me and I think our listeners. The idea of having a company, a profit company, fund a true nonprofit, going out and doing something for a part of the world that is not only under great threat of escalated and, and black market poaching, but has so many needs longstanding in terms of the ability of people to survive there and now the ability to, of animals to survive. But the idea of corporate social responsibility Responsibility, aka a company with purpose. There's just so many angles to this, but I have. We're just about in our crystal ball predictions round, so I'm going to skip my question, and we might have to do a part two in a couple months. Let me circle around the table, the virtual table, to Mr. Quentin Smith. And Quentin, I'm going to ask you, what's coming up in the future? It could be the day after today. It could be 2020. <laughs> it could be any time in the future. Yeah. What do you see that will change for? Your organization, ERP, and or the poaching situation with all of its ramifications on the African continent. Quentin Smith. Yeah, Bonnie, I think, you know, if we start with the poaching problem, you know, if we look at the exponential growth that it's had over the past years, if that continues, uh, you know, and given the, the rhino population that's left, rhinos will be extinct in about a decade. So, you know, we need to move and we need to, need to move fast. So what we've started doing, as, as David explained and what we talked about earlier, is leveraging our for-profit talent and, and leveraging technology to start solving this problem. And, you know, as we gain traction and, and get people's interest, we just get more um, awareness of the problem. And I think that is, that is a big start, uh, that people are simply aware of what's happening and that if you go and buy, you know, an ivory trinket in some fancy store on Fifth Avenue in New York, that that goes all the way back to some poaching incident in, in, in Africa. And that awareness will, will help drive change people's mind. And then secondly, you know, as we continue developing our technology, we will believe we can do more and more with less and less and, and make a bigger impact. So ultimately, you know, we, if I look in the crystal ball, we want to change what will happen. And to change the game, we need to do more of what we're doing right now. Sounds like massive education is needed. Thank you so much for that eloquent prediction. I appreciate that, Quentin. Mr. David Allen, I saved 60 seconds. Of course, you can squeeze 90 out of them if you really, really push. Go ahead. Give me your prediction. What do you see coming up the street, down the road, overhead in drones and UAVs in the future? Go ahead, David Allen. Uh, I think, um, Bonnie, uh, in in summary, the the key to our success here has got to be... um, deploying more tech solutions as force multipliers. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of passionate conservationists in, in the world. They have very good um, strategies. They're very, very good at what they do, but they're, they're not all we can rely on anymore. Um, we need big businesses involved, and we need these force multiplying solutions where I can turn the power of 10 people on the ground into, into 100 by providing up-to-the-minute intelligence, 
uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all these wonderful, you know, futuristic ideas. Um, my crystal ball is telling me that if, if we don't get that right in the next two to three years, um, I'm probably going to have to show my, my son pictures of a rhinoceros in a storybook, and, and that's going to be a sad one. Oh, oh, hurting my feelings. Okay, and a lot of others, too. And Ashley Tully, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you, my friend. So go ahead. What do you see coming down the pike? And what's your son well, it, thinking about it his experience? It, it seems dismal, but I'm going I'm to hope that we can continue to get this message out, as we're saying. That's, that's, as a communications professional, that's what, I, that's what I'm hoping, that we, we can educate enough people in younger generations, you know, so that so it, it doesn't continue, you know, to be as... Hopefully, we won't lose them. Hopefully, we'll get to keep them. Ashley, how was your son's experience working with ERP? Did he go oh, already? It changed his life. It changed his life. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we can get your son on a future episode. What do you think, Ashley? You want to talk him into oh, it? Sure. He would like to. Think that, I think that would be great. I want to thank my three special guests for bringing such a compelling story. And, and you really touched my heart. I think you did of our listeners as well. Not just information and tech and corporate this and that, but but a real need to have some compassion. I think we need the word compassion in here. And empathy. Quentin Smith and David Allen. Such a pleasure to get to know both of you. Ashley Tully, you're a hero bringing this panel together. I can't thank you enough. We are, by the way, Ashley is uh, works with Brad Borkin, as I mentioned, Future of the Future with Game Changers. And we have started, as of yesterday, a spin-off version of that series called Game Changers with Purpose. We might just have to duplicate this show, Ashley, the one we just do right now, and to post that on the Purpose landing page when it's ready in about a week, because I think we really covered the topic very well. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, live here on the Business Channel with a new episode of Think Big, Work Small. That's small to mid-sized companies, and they need a lot of help today. Big, big game are out there trying to swallow them up. So let's see how we can help them with Lorraine Maurice and her wonderful panel. And I want to do a thank you and a shout out to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. Aaron, you rock and you made extra effort to get David on the line and we got it. We ha- we needed you, David, so I'm glad we got you. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt or whatever kind of belt you're wearing. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. And game has a multiple meaning. We're talking about elephants and rhinos and people. Just like Quentin Smith, just like David Allen, just like Ashley Tully. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.